Well, I know uh, last week y'all got to hear some testimonies from, the, uh, from some folks that uh, went on our, our mission trip to the Dominican Republic. It was a very powerful uh, time uh, for many of us. I've learned when I go there, right, I've learned to be ready for anything. You know what I mean? Dominicans, they don't plan things. Pastor Stanley's always giving me a hard time. He goes, you white Americans, you always need things to be like planned out in a hard advance. So I think now he does it on purpose. Two days before Sunday, I find out, hey, uh, you're preaching, by the way, at my service on Sunday. I was like, oh, okay. But I see I was ready. See, I'm smart, right? So I was like, well, what, what are you preaching on? And he goes, here's the scripture. I'm like, okay, cool, I got you. After the sermon, he, uh, he comes to me, he goes, that was incredible. How did you do that in two days? Did that just, God just give you that? I said, I, I was tempted to say, yeah, you know, I'm just anointed. You know what I mean? But then I showed him Dropbox. And I said, I carry all my sermons on my phone, brother. And they're all organized by, by the scripture. I found the scripture. Bam, I got it. You can't get me anymore. I'm a white man. I plan. Sorry. It's just what we do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, preaching for me is, it is a, a calling from the Lord. As you guys have heard, I put myself in it. I mean, I am preaching to myself half the time. My, I, I get myself in it, and then, you know, with the prayer before service and the prayer and talking to people afterwards, some meetings after church, by the time I get home, I mean, I am exhausted. The adrenaline is just gone, right? You can ask my family. I'm just like in a fog. And so Sunday at that, uh, in the Dominican, that happened. And here I come back to the house, and I mean, I thought we would just have some downtime, and then I'm told that around 5 o'clock, as we got back, that they were bringing their Haitian worship team over, and we were going to have a worship and prayer service in the house. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I got nothing left, man. And I had a cranky heart. And, but there's nothing I could do about it. I couldn't get out of it, right? I'm pastor. I got to be excited about the worship and prayer service. And they're bringing it to our house. And so they show up. Between our team and their team, there were probably about 40 of us in this house. Now, you got to understand, the house is there, not like the house here. They don't use drywall. It's all cement bricks and, and, and cement. And this Haitian team started worshiping, and all of a sudden, my cranky heart just melted. It was like we were literally in heaven because the sound is so rich bouncing off, and they are passionate about God. I mean, and they're just flowing and rolling, and we're singing in English and Spanish and Creole, and at times people are just praying out. I find myself on my knees at times, not even realizing it, and just crying out to God. I mean, we're just singing our hearts out and just loving on Jesus. It was an incredible moment of so many different types of people coming together to worship the great king of all kings. And then, after about an hour of this, Mama Lisa shows up. Mm. Mama Lisa is an older Haitian woman. Now, Mama Lisa is a prayer warrior. She's done multiple 40-day food fasts, and she will pray for hours for people. And when you ask her, how do you pray so long? She says, well, growing up, we were so poor that we would get up every day and we would go about trying to find work and try, but we were taught you pray that we taught the Lord's Prayer from the scripture that says, Give us this day our daily bread. And we were taught as children to pray all day long until the food showed up. 
And we just learned to pray and saw God's provision over and over again, and it gave us greater faith. So we just pray all the time. She shows up, and she's praying for some folks, and then all of a sudden I get called over, and there's a chair in the middle of this room, and they put me in the chair. And Mama Lisa starts to pray for me. Now remember, I've just finished an hour of being in the presence of God in worship. I am mushed out. My heart is mushed out. I've been crying. She starts praying and speaking right into my life, right, like it was God knowing me. So I just start crying. Mama Lisa had none of that. She's like, no, you will not receive this word with tears. Stand up. And all of a sudden, all the people pull me out of the chair. I have people holding my arms up like this. She's like, you are going to receive this word with joy because you're an anointed man of God. And all the, I got people, I'm, like people are, I feel like I'm being lifted off the ground and she's praying and she's praying. I find myself just screaming out in joy. I have people wrapped around my legs, praying over my feet. I'm like, what is, you know? And then when she's done, then she brings in this younger Haitian brother who's a pastor. And she says, this brother uh, wants to pray for you. He has been fasting from food all day, praying for your healing, for your stomach problems. He hadn't eaten food at all. And I'm just like, whoa. And he prays for me. And when I was all done, I was like, God, the, the intentionality of Mama Lisa and this pastor, how they just were like, we're going to, today we are going to pray for Pastor Chris. And it wasn't just me. They had other people on our team that they had intentionally said, we are coming to pray for you. I felt utterly loved by God through people I didn't even know, through these strangers. The Lord Jesus calls us to absolutely give ourselves for people. And it's often people who are not like us at all. And you know, we are complicated as people. There's always a lot going on inside every person. And we really don't know people like we think we do, right? We love to form quick opinions based on first impressions, based on their outer appearance, on what they say in a five-minute conversation, or what they do in their free time, or even what they do for work, or their family status, or today the big one is, if they have one opinion we don't like, we form a complete judgment over them. Isn't that true? We so often break the second great commandment and not love our neighbor as we want to be loved. How many times after like a social interaction, when we haven't been so smooth, right, we walk away and we think, oh gosh, I hope they didn't just put me in a box for that dumb comment I just made. I was trying to be funny and it just was stupid and now they probably think I'm an idiot, Right? You ever had that conversation going, I'm not the only insecure one? Yeah. Right? Or just all of a sudden it's like, okay, that I just helped create some awkward silence right there. Um, hopefully they don't think I'm just totally weird. We've all had those moments, right, where we're, we so desperately don't want people to judge us based on one interaction. We don't want people to form quick opinions of us that set with them, right? We want people to intentionally stay with us, to choose to pursue us, to get to know the whole person. See, we know that we're complicated, right, deep inside. We know that we're more than just a single opinion on one issue. We're more than just a single personality trait, and so we should know that about others. We should know that about everybody. There is nobody in our world that understands every part of every person other than Jesus. Amen? 
There is nobody I've ever met, I've ever read about that hopes in people like Jesus. There is nobody that believes in people like Jesus. There is nobody who at the same time convicts people for their mistakes and loves them for their strengths like Jesus. There is nobody who can see through the outer stuff right into the minds and the hearts and the souls like Jesus. There is nobody who is more thoughtful and intentional in his persistent love than Jesus. Church, would you stand with me to read and take in the scripture that is going to anchor our time today. We are in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you pursue us, that you're so intentional. We thank you that right now, today, you have a pre-thought-out word for every one of us. You know where we're at. You know what we need. You know what we need for strength, for faith, for love, for power, for breakthrough. Lord Jesus, we declare that these, these words that were just read, they are your, your words given to us through your Spirit. So open up our hearts, God. Take away apathy. Take away casualness. Take away spiritual laziness. Take away distraction. Let us lock in right now, Jesus. We want to receive the unique, personalized treasure that you have for each one of us right now. We're ready. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. There is so much in these 10 verses. We won't be able to mine all the gold today. This is one of my favorite moments in the life of Jesus, mainly because Zacchaeus, he is the climax of major themes that have been building in the first 18 chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus represents the picture of what Jesus' salvation is all about. Zacchaeus is one of the pinnacle heroes of the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus is a model. The model. There is so much we can learn about him today, church. First, it's important to understand that Zacchaeus did not have a good reputation at all in his city. He did not have very many friends. He had a lot of money, but not a lot of friends. He was a very rich man, but he was the worst kind of rich. He didn't make his wealth on like inventing something that everybody really needed and wanted, right? He didn't invent, you know, a, a new cure for a certain disease and make money. He didn't invent the, you know, a smartphone. 
I wonder which one of us, some of us would probably rather have a, a smartphone than a cure for disease, the way we are. But anyways, he, he didn't invent something and made his money. Everybody's like, yeah, he's rich, but he earned it. He gave us something good. He is the worst kind of rich. He made his wealth off of cheating and hurting common people. Think of the guy in one of those skyscrapers in downtown L.A. He wears a $1,000 suit every day to work. He drives in his BMW. He lives in a small mansion on the, on the beach. But he's made his millions off of stealing money from people's retirement funds. Or convincing people to give him their life savings so he can double their money, but that ends up making them poor, saying, oh, I don't know what happened to the market, but how is he living so large? You know what I'm talking about? Zacchaeus was a Jewish man who collected taxes from his own people for the Roman Empire that was oppressing the Jewish people. But this is how it worked. Rome told Zacchaeus, hey, this is how much we need. Your salary... It's up to you. You just charge people whatever over that what we need, and you tell them that's the tax rate, and then you take what you want, but just give us this much. He is the chief tax collector in the region, means he just gave himself to just killing people so that he could get himself rich. How does that make you feel? To think of the guy in downtown L.A. doing that to the common people. Can we even see people like that with eyes of hope? That there is something more to them than even their greed and their evil ways? Zacchaeus is like that. It's, it's how he became rich. It's why the people hate him. It's why in verse 7, everyone starts getting frustrated saying, Jesus has gone into a sinner's house. Jesus is hanging with that scum? This, here, that, this is what we do as humans. We see something we don't like in someone. We don't have a very great social interaction. We see the friends that someone's hanging with. We hear their opinion on one political or social issue, and we withdraw from them. We put up walls. We form our little cliques. And sometimes we even get to the point where we start gossiping about them. The text tells us that the people are grumbling about this man. That is a great description of the human heart day in and day out, grumbling about the people that we have to deal with every day. I mean, think about it. How many times a day is your mind, sometimes your voice, grumbling about those stupid people, whatever, whoever they are? Driving, going to work, going to the store, grumbling and grumbling. Grumbling when you, right, you're, you're grumbling to yourself, then you're grumbling on text threads to your friends. Did you see what that person did? Let me see. Blah, 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 blah. Grumbling on social media, grumbling all the way into severe and permanent judgments, shutting people out. See, and this is the problem about going with the flow or letting our natural feelings dictate who we are friends with and the people that we will invest in. If we just go with the flow with our feelings, we will flow away from most people. We will flow away from most strangers. We will flow away from people who are different than us in all kinds of ways. Going with the flow of our natural feelings is what creates cliques, it what creates divisions, and it's what creates walls. 
Jesus, in this passage, is literally in a flow of people. He's literally in a mob. And I can imagine that they're directing his path, as the text says, as he's trying to make his way through town. The, you know, you get stuck in a mob, and you're just kind of like moving with the mob. But Jesus never lets the crowds or the social norms dictate who he loves and how he loves. He will never let people dictate who he loves or how he loves. And Jesus is our model. He's always thoughtful and intentional. He shows us he's always talking to God the Father. Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to love? And that's the only flow that he goes with. He chooses to initiate with with the people that God tells him to initiate with. Isn't this amazing about Jesus? Even though Zacchaeus is in a high, he's a high-class, white-collar criminal, even though he's hurt so many common people, when Jesus sees him high up in a tree, he sees right through all of that evil. He sees that deep in Zacchaeus' heart, there's guilt. There's a desire to change his life. There's a small flame that has not been put out, a flame of goodness. There's an honor of God still there, and there's a care for other people still there. Jesus sees that when nobody else can. And he says, he stops the flow of the crowd, and he says, I'm going to kick it with you today, Zacchaeus. I've got plans for you. We're going to have a friendship after today. And look at what happens. After this time, Zacchaeus stands up in front of Jesus and the people that are with him in his house, and he says, I'm giving half of what I own away to the poor. I'm just going to give free gifts. I'm taking all of my wealth, and I'm going 50% to the poor. And then with the remaining 50% I have, I'm going to find every single person that I have cheated over the years, and whatever I cheated them, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated them. Okay? Listen to this again. 50% is gone to the poor, whatever they need. Now I've got 50% left, and I'm going to start paying back everybody that I cheated four times. The law of his day, if you got caught cheating someone, you're only required to pay two times the amount back. He's doubling it. So what does that mean in the end of the day? Does he give away 75% of his wealth, 80% of his wealth? Y'all, that is a miracle of miracles, Okay. Somebody does not have a limb of their body, and we pray, and God creates a new limb. A rich person giving away their wealth is the same, in my mind, a miracle right there. Rich people giving away their money is a miracle of miracles. I'm not talking about, like, just giving 10% of what they got. We're talking Zacchaeus level, 75, 80, 85% of their wealth. That is transformation. Zacchaeus decides to stop worshiping money. He stops worshiping the very thing that he's built his life around, and he switches his worship to Jesus. Here Here was the progression with Zacchaeus. First, Jesus initiated with him. Could have just walked right by. That's what Zacchaeus was expecting. Jesus is for the common people. I am not for the common people. I'm just gonna get up and just see what the commotion's about. And Jesus is going to walk right by me. I'm his enemy. Jesus stops and goes, I'm going to hang with you, my enemy. In that invitation, in that hanging out, Jesus offers Zacchaeus dignity. He communicates in many different ways. I see more in you, Zacchaeus, than your corruption and greed. And then Zacchaeus was given an invitation to be in the family of God, where there is no permanent criticism, no permanent judgment, No hierarchy of who's popular and who's not and where you fit on the social pole. 
right? In, the, in God's family, everyone is broken equals. We are a family of broken equals. Can I get an amen for that? Mm-hmm. So all of his shame of being socially outcast, of being isolated, all that criticism that had just put him in this isolated wealth bubble, it was totally healed by the love and the initiative of Jesus as, he, as Jesus melted his heart. And then from that part of receiving that incredible love and acceptance, he was invited then to switch his allegiance, switch his worship. And so he gave up his money. He gave up his thing of worship, the thing that he had built his life on and his pride on, his identity on. He exchanged that for a worship of Jesus. He chose Jesus. He chose Jesus for his security and his self-worth. And then he also chose Jesus for his worship and life purpose. That's what it means to receive salvation and to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is now my self-worth and my inner security. He's my identity, but he's also what I worship. He's also the purpose of my life, and I will not worship another. That is why, in the end, Jesus says salvation has come to this house. Salvation right now and eternity has come to this house. Zacchaeus represents the two streams of salvation seen in the Gospel of Luke. If we had time, we could look at the previous 18 chapters and realize Jesus is always hanging in people's homes. And he's always offering salvation and new life. But there's two different kinds of salvation he offers. If you are socially marginalized, if you, if you are physically poor, if you, like he, he hung out with prostitutes, if you are drunks or addicts, uh, in his day it was also women and children that were marginalized, he offers dignity. He says, no, 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 in my kingdom, you all are equal with all these rich people. You are, uh, we are a family of broken equals. And he invites the socially marginalized, be empowered. Stop believing lies that the society is telling you. Stand up, you are a daughter and a son of the God Most High. He forgives you and he offers you into the family, your royalty now. And they're receiving that salvation as them stand up and go, I'm not going to listen anymore to my society. I'm going to listen to Jesus. And then for the rich and powerful, he offers another stream of salvation, an invitation to give up the very thing that they had built their lives around and their identities around to exchange all of that for Jesus, the only one that will truly satisfy well, you see, Zacchaeus is the climax of this theme in, in chapter 19 because he's unique. He represents both at the same time. He responds to both at the same time. See, he, he is actually marginalized even though he's rich because he was a corrupt rich. He had no friends. And he receives the invitation to be a friend to Jesus, to believe that Jesus loves him and forgives him. And then he also takes the invitation of salvation to get rid of his money and start to worship Jesus. He becomes the hero, a model for all of us in our lives as we hear the invitation of Jesus to come in and kick it with us. Jesus is my hero. Jesus alone can transform the core of people's lives. Jesus can change entire social structures because he's so persistent in his love and his intentionality in loving all kinds of people. What we see in Jesus, we are called to be with the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is not with us in physical body anymore, but he's given all of those who will follow him his spirit to represent him 
all over the city, all over the world. And so we are to follow his model and in his spirit be thoughtful and intentional, initiating with people whoever he puts in our path, especially those who are different than us. This is why many of us went to the Dominican Republic. We went to the Dominican Republic because the Lord has said, he, t- he told his followers, hey, if you're following me, you're going to represent me in your family, in your city, in the surrounding cities, in your nation, and into all the people of the world. And you are to go and to build relationships, friendships with all the people who are different than you in my spirit. Give them the salvation you have from me and receive from them the salvation they have from me. Build the family of God that has no walls and no cliques. And so, you know, we went there for two weeks. And for those of us who knew Spanish, it was a little bit easier to build friends. But then there were some folks on our team who didn't speak Spanish. That's harder. And it's very easy for folks who, on the team who didn't speak Spanish to just kind of hide in the back and let those who speak Spanish build the friends and those who don't speak Spanish just hang with the, with the other Americans that are on our team. One of the women uh, from West L.A., Miriam, was one of those folks who did not speak Spanish. I have a picture of her right there. She's in the middle. This is the, the lady's glam shot right there. Um, so that uh, she's in the middle. Miriam from West L.A. Shannon on the right is at Hope Church with Pastor Enrique. And you know that beautiful young lady right there. Um, so, by the way, she's already taken. Okay. She, Jesus. She's married Jesus. Forever. Forever. Yes. Yeah, so don't. No ideas. Yeah. No ideas. She's forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she was two years old, I made her agree that she wouldn't get married till I'm dead. So she's going to stay with me. And then when I'm dead, she can go marry somebody. All right. Miriam, middle-aged woman, right? She went on this trip, and she didn't speak a lick of Spanish. Uh, and, and, and listen to her words. I'm going to read her words from her testimony. Despite the language barrier, I was able to form amazing relationships. Love and laughter was our common language. One special relationship I got to form was with a teenager who suffered a terrible trauma as a child. She pulled me aside after I prayed for her one night and said, I want to share my life story with you. But obviously it was in Spanish. So I had to pull my Google Translator out on my phone because she looked so serious and I didn't want to involve anyone else because she wanted a private conversation so I couldn't get a translator. So while everyone was eating pizza for dinner, After an intense worship service, we went to a separate room and she poured out her heart to me. What an honor to be with someone so tender and open. I did nothing but be myself and give her my time to deserve her friendship and trust. I want to be more intentional in my friendships and relationships. I want to make time stand still in L.A. as it is in D.R. I want to go deeper like Jesus did with every person he met. We can all testify that Miriam, despite the language barrier, you could tell she made a decision. Jesus sent me here to meet people, and so she went for it. She communicated with games and laughter and just getting in there. And, of course, her phone and translators. And she tried to learn some words. Um, She did not let even the language barrier keep from pursuing people. And I also want to affirm that she was intentional in building deeper relationships with people on our team that she didn't know before the team, especially my family. She didn't even know my daughter before this trip. 
and she made intentional efforts to bond with my 13-year-old daughter. Now, there were some times I saw them hanging out, and I was a little concerned that she was a bad influence on her. You know what I'm saying? She's a little crazy, okay? She's a little crazy. But no, it, was, it really impacted me. It gave me, as a father, an experience of the love of Jesus, knowing that my daughter, there is an older woman of Jesus who is speaking into her life and hanging out with my daughter, get, doing hair together, as you saw out there. When Miriam could have easily just hung out with the friends that she had from West L.A., she put herself constantly, day after day, in making an intentional choice to build friendships. The practical summary, church, is this. If you just spend your relational time with a few relationships, whether it's family or close friends, with people who are easy and safe and comfortable, you are not responding to Jesus. You're not responding to his spirit that is trying to lead you. You're not responding to his invitation. It's an invitation that while it might be a little bit awkward initially, it's actually an offer to you to bring more of his salvation to your life as well as to whoever he's calling you to initiate with. See, like Jesus, we need to ask God our Father. We need to ask Jesus regularly when we're to stop going with the flow of our feelings and look up or look around and see people who are close to us, then have the courage to be intentional, to go and initiate and initiate conversations and just to be open-ended about it. And as you try to talk with folks and get to know them, listen to how God is setting you up to go deeper. Whether it's a shared hobby that you discover that you can grab onto and talk about that hobby right? Or an opportunity to invite them into your relational world somehow, to introduce them to your friends or your family, or to let yourself be invited into their relational world and get to know them some. Jesus went into Zacchaeus's house. Did you notice that? He got into Zacchaeus's world, and it's, it's, in, and it, it's in ways that cost Jesus. It cost him his social reputation, Jesus-centered followers are willing to go into other people's worlds even if it is uncomfortable. Over the years, right, I have participated with new friends in many of their hobbies, in hobbies that I do not like and I would not do on my own, but because I'm like, Jesus, I believe you're asking me to build a friendship with this person and they're really into this, I'm going to choose into that to communicate to them that I'm into you and I care about you. I mean, I could tell you story after story. I mean, <laughs> At one point, I was around some new friends, and they really like ska punk music. I hate that stuff. It's just, everybody's got their tastes. You know what I mean? I'm totally mainstream. You know what I mean? I'm just that, you know? But they were really into it, so I started listening to it with them and asking them questions about it. And the next thing you know, they invited me to a concert, and I went. And I'm in the front row, and I'm jumping around. My ears are blowing out of my head. And I'm like, Jesus would be here in the front row. And I was blessed in, in those years with those friends, and they were blessed by me. Many of them came into relationship with Jesus because of that. I remember when I first got to know Nico, and I coached his son on the football team. And then we're getting to know it, and Nico says, hey, we play soccer. Come and play with us. I don't, I don't like soccer. <laughs> I'm, I'm an American football player. We take breaks every play. Soccer, they just don't stop. They just keep running and running and running. 
American football, we catch with our hands. Soccer, they use their feet. My feet are, are just not coordinated. But, man, I was, it was obvious that Jesus was saying, hey, this family is to be a family of friends. We are to, we're building family. So I said, yes. Well, then I go to play soccer. He didn't tell me that it's football rappy, though. It was like the indoor soccer where there's walls. There's no out of bounds. It literally never stops. I got guys checking me up against the wall, you know, things like that. But compa helped me. He taught me some stuff. He told me. I remember one time he's like, just when you get the ball, just shoot it. Just, you know, forget about trying to dribble it. Just shoot it. I was like, oh, that's really helpful. Thanks, man. Right? But it was because I was like, I'll do it. Because Jesus is saying, this is a family of peace and friendship for you. I have been, my family has been blessed by their family. And I know they've been blessed by our family. Jesus loves people. Jesus will sacrifice to love more people. Jesus breaks down walls and clicks. When he sees someone who is different, he draws close. When people make mistakes, he doesn't gossip about them. He draws close and helps them see that they are more than their mistakes. More than their mistakes. On the day-to-day practical level, we need to ask Jesus for more emotional resiliency. We need to ask Jesus for the ability to do what he does when we do not feel like it. We need to ask Jesus for more security and more strength to be in awkward social settings until things normalize and we have new friends. Have you ever thought about that, church? It is absolute spiritual work to ask Jesus for his strength to stay in an awkward interaction until things get normal. Do you realize that as you're meeting new people, the devil wants to keep it awkward and wants you to go, okay, that didn't click, I'm out. Because he knows if you persevere on the other side of that awkwardness, when things become a friendship, there is salvation for both. We need to ask Jesus for the strength to endure. And this has to start in our church community. Jesus intentionally pulled together a very diverse group of 12, and he said, hey, Guess what, y'all? You want to follow me? We're going to live together for three years. Now think about that. When you live with someone, that's when it really gets real. Okay? We're going to live together for three years, and we're going to become a family so that you can bring my actual salvation to a world of cliques and gossip and division. You can say the things about Jesus, but how about living out his salvation? How about enduring and telling the world, I've got new friendships because of Jesus that are I would have never had because I, if I would have just gone with the flow, I would have never made those friends. Pastor Joe Ewan from Scotland tells his people, hey, when you go to church on Sundays, always sit in a different place in the church. Sit in a different place because you know when you go to church on Sundays, you're going to say hi to the people that are your friends. Right, You're going to talk to your friends, but sit in a different place every Sunday and then sit there and as you worship and as you settle in, ask Jesus, who's the one person you want me to initiate with today? Who's the one person that I don't know very well or I don't know at all that you want me to go up and say hi and introduce myself and ask them, so what do you like about this church? Where do you live? What's your family like? And just start a friendship. What would happen at New Life if we all did that? Mm, family deeper family. We would break down the little clicks and the walls and the divisions. I'm going to bring the worship team back up. Church, 
Let me bring it home by saying this. We're not called to be best friends with everybody. Right? That's not what we're talking about here. Nobody's got time to be a best friend with everybody that God puts in their world. We all are living lives with different layers of friendship. But if you don't have many layers of friendship, if you just have family and a few friends, this is a word for you. And it doesn't mean that by next month you need to have 20 new friends, but it just means be intentional. Say hi to one new person. Try to talk and make friends with one new person and just move from there. Y'all, we are a people that are caught in a stream in Los Angeles. And if you, if you, don't, if you don't swim, you're just going to flow with the stream. And the stream in L.A. is telling us, if you want to be happy, if you want to be joyful, find one romantic partner and then get money so that you can do entertainment and, 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 and go and, and have fun doing a bunch of activities in L.A. That's the lie of L.A. Find one romantic partner and get enough money so you can do a bunch of entertainment. We went to the Dominican Republic and spent two weeks living in their community. They have nothing. Nobody goes and spends money at malls on the weekend. They never go shopping except for the rice and the beans every day. Nobody goes and, and goes out in the lake and, and, and goes, takes their boat on the lake. Nobody does that stuff. Nobody goes into a professional sports event in this community. But they are richer than we are. They have more joy than we have because they have found the treasure of life. They, they worship Jesus and they love each other. They are I mean, you walk door to door. They have nothing, but they have enough plastic chairs for everybody who is coming along. They will stop everything, and they will pull out these plastic chairs, and they will sit with you as long as you will be there because they understand the true riches. People, people, you can watch all your celebrities on TikTok and YouTube and look at their mansions and look at their adventures, but if you will listen to the lies and reject them and say, in Jesus, I, at the end of my life, will be a hundred times more wealthy than these celebrities. Because I will say yes to friendship after friendship after friendship. And I'll start right here. Right here in this church family. And then it's just going to overflow into my workplace, into my school, when I'm on the metro, at the store. The treasure is in Jesus and following him developing friendships. Let's stand and respond. Let's stand and respond. Oh, Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you that you've given us salvation. Salvation from the superficial pursuits of joy. Thank you that you have built a friendship with us that will last for eternity. Thank you that no matter how much we screw up, you don't ever walk away and form a permanent opinion of us that is wrong. That you endure with us. You persevere with us. You love us. You empower us. You heal us. You keep believing in us. You keep getting us off of our feet and speaking truth and love into us. You are our best friend.
the friend that will never leave. And we say thank you, Jesus, for the people that you have put around us. God, would you open up our eyes to see them the way you see them? Would you forgive us for permanent judgments we have made on certain members of our family? Would you forgive us for just walking by people in our church family without stopping to get to know them? Oh, Lord Jesus, fill us with the joy of your salvation. Fill us with a love for you and for all people. And give us the courage to just say hi and to build new friendships, believing that that's where the treasure is found. Come, Lord Jesus. As we worship God, would you just speak love to us? Would you just assure us that you are going to work out our little insecurities and our fears and our anxieties, that you will always be faithful? Help us to say yes. Come, Lord Jesus. As we worship, just want to encourage us, take in his love for you. He is your best friend. He believes in you more than you do. And then just ask him, who in this room, before you leave today, are you just going to go say hi to? Just ask him. And have the courage to say yes. Who are you going to bless today? Who's someone that you know that you're just going to go bless in a way that says, hey, you're a treasure in Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with your spirit.